Joining us in the classroom today will be Coach P.J. Gibbs. Uh, special treat. He's not only written, written volume one of the right defense for your program, but he's going to talk exclusively about volume two that was just released three days ago. Coach Gibbs, thanks for your time in the classroom today. Oh, Coach, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here again, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's talk about volume two. Volume one was – uh, structured around a lot of the defensive stuff. But volume two, you're, you're hitting a lot more, I guess, precise things in volume two, along with culture as well, which is big for our podcast as well. So talk a bit about why volume two. Well, I, I wanted to build off the first book, really, and, and uh, I wanted to collaborate with, with coaches to, you know, all over the country at different levels. And uh, you know, volume one was more uh, kind of my story you know, uh, how I was brought up as a coach and how I, I've evolved and things that, that we do at Palmetto Ridge and things that I've learned from my mentors and guys that I've been fortunate enough to come in contact with. Volume two is, is I think, more of a hierarchy uh, as far as, you know, thought process and, um, you know, uh, kind of defensive schematics that, that we use. And, uh, you know, the first three chapters are, are all defense. So the First chapter, we talk about our nickel package, some of the things that we do. And then, again, nickel package was kind of born out of necessity because of the lack of depth we have on our defensive line coming back this year. So, um, you know, the, the two, four, five package and, and a little bit of what we do there. And, um, the, you know, the second is, I think, um, you know, doing the uh, chalk wars with, uh, with Matt Arafat. And you, you see a lot of – I remember being on uh, a couple times and there was one coach out of Texas. I can't remember the name on the top of my head, but – he operated completely, completely out of empty. Everything was out of empty. And uh, I, I think as a defensive coach, you know, some guys, um, you know, kind of want to find out new ways to defend things and uh, not just empty three by two, but uh, empty with a tight end. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I talked about some of the pressure things that we do, some of the things I was fortunate enough to learn from Coach Venables up at Clemson when we went uh, two springs ago. And, uh, and then the third chapter is kind of builds off the first chapter of volume one is pressures out of the four, three that, uh, that, that we ran, uh, or we, we did run when we were a four down team. So, um, I was really fortunate enough, uh, for chapter four to talk with, uh, uh Eric Kaspowitz of, uh, Pine Richland high school in PA, uh, who's a, a USA a national team buddy of mine and Adam Harvey at Hutto high school in Texas. And, um, I'm really proud of the last two chapters, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I love the defensive stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I think the culture stuff, um, you know, and also, too, uh, with chapter four, it's game planning as a coordinator. Because everybody has, you know, even a coach, you know, with you guys on the other side of the ball, everybody has their own, uh, their, their, their things that they do, their, their, their niches, their little intricacies and, you know, uh, what they do. And to, to get um, input from – myself and Eric, uh, Eric obviously having played at Pitt and then, you know, having a couple shots in the NFL and, you know, the success he's had. And obviously Adam's been, um, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's been successful. So for coaches to kind of see inside our head as to how we prepare, I, I think that's invaluable information. And then obviously um, chapter five, you know, collaborating with you and, and coach Tory and, and uh, Jason Mons and, and, and it was really cool to get my, uh, my brother-in-law in there because from a, a college perspective, uh, but just, I, I really, I'm really proud of this chapter because, you know, my brother-in-law, Justin Kramer and Jason Mons at a Seguro high school in Arizona, they take it from an overall team perspective about building winning culture on and off the field. But then, you know, you with your wide receivers um, and, the, and the ARB uh, and then John with his guys at Denison, the running backs, the stone cutters, and then 
the black shirt defense, our culture here at Palmetto. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that stuff, I mean, again, and everybody that writes a book, I think everything's great. Um, people get to put their notes on paper and then obviously get them printed. It's really cool to see. But I think those last two chapters, the information that, that we're able to give coaches throughout the country, I think that stuff's awesome. I think it's invaluable information. Right. And I think you bring up a great point. I think the game planning to me, and I'm just working with Coach Davis right now on game planning of how we're going to do the rest of our summer, how we're going to do in season. Uh, so I think that's a big deal when you start looking at game planning and getting inside the mind of a defensive coordinator. So obviously if you're an offensive coach, you want to get the book as well because you want to see inside the minds of the pressures because to be a good offensive coach, you better know the defense. And mm -hmm. uh, we spent a lot of time looking at that. So uh, excited about volume two. Tell everybody where you can get it. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, both, both books are still available. Um, Kindle version and, and paperback for both books. Uh, it's a, it's the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile, which is at, at coach PJ Gibbs. And, uh, I have to give a plug here, uh, to coach Weaver. Uh, he did a phenomenal job with the cover. Uh, it, it's, uh, one of, one of the, one of the highlights is being to get to, um, you know, meet guys like coach Weaver and, 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 and coach Tory and, um, you know, and, you know, why we are all in this is, is to help kids, but, uh, it, it's great because, you know, um, I think we made the most out of this, uh, this, this quarantine period, all of us, and just connecting with each other and uh, getting to work with great people. So, yeah, Amazon and, um, you know, the, again, pinned to my Twitter profile at Coach PJ Gibbs. Cool. Well, Coach, we're just going to get into your episode. Uh, stay tuned for the interview with Coach PJ Gibbs. Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Well, joining us in the classroom today is a special guest. We've got Coach PJ Gibbs, who is at Palmetto Ridge out of Naples, Florida. He's a uh, Coach Gibbs is with USA Football, has been with them since 2008, and has over two decades of experience coaching high school ball. So welcome to the classroom, Coach. We're really excited to get in and talk a little bit about culture and defense and all the things that make you you special. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, PJ, we connected um, much like uh, Coach Tori and I did over a graphic. And then I started going through your, uh, your Twitter feed and seeing how you, you build intentional culture with your kids. Um, you know, I, I'm intrigued when we get into this, this uh, interview about what the skull and crossbones uh, mean for your defense and stuff like that. I keep seeing that um, some stuff. And then, obviously, uh, you have a unique story of what you did with uh, USA Football this past year with the Japanese team. Hey, you were the head coach of the Japanese team. And some things you did with that, uh, I think, speak volumes for – for what you do for the uh, for the game of football, not just for X's and O's, but what you do culturally. Uh, it's it's uh, it was a, a awesome opportunity that I uh, was afforded to by uh, by coach by coach Aaron Ingram um, and all the guys at the U.S. national team, and uh, it was um, it's, it's a very uh, different experience when you're when you're coaching a game that you you think you know a lot about, and then you have to kind of um, interpret. Uh, certain things that you would not really need to interpret to your high school team or, or to a, another U.S. team. Uh, but it was uh, it was an unbelievable experience, to say the least. Uh, th I mean, those kids, 
you know, like we talked about the whole week with them, like, you know, you guys didn't take a 14 hour flight here to, to, you know, to lose, you know, you, you came here to represent your country and, you know, we're just blessed to have the opportunity to be around those guys. And, you know, um, it, it's, you know, for them, it was like Christmas the whole week because they're getting, you know, we got toward the stadium, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're having barbecue for the first time. We went to Rudy's barbecue and uh, they're having a, you know, a lot of them never had jalapeno peppers. So they're having like a jalapeno pepper eating contest and they're laughing. And it was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool, you know, and, and the coaches were great too. I mean, they, they brought seven high school coaches with them, uh, three of them, which were translators. Uh, and they, they, those guys were just looking for knowledge from us. So we had a really, really good relationship collaboratively with their coaching staff and they, you know they were in our meetings taking notes recording things asking questions so uh, you know they're they're a little far behind of the game fundamental wise and knowledge wise than we are here in the states but as far as work ethic um one of the hardest working teams i've, I've ever been around and you beat the usa team correct yeah we won uh 28 to 20 so it was uh you know, and, 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 you know, Rob Henson, who's a good friend of mine, he, he's at Rutgers now. He was the head coach of the U-17 national team. And we text back and forth about it all the time. And, um, you know, he's very complimentary of, what, you know, what we did defensively in our offense. And I had a great coaching staff. I mean, I, uh, Coach Ingram allowed me to choose my coaches. So I, I picked some guys that, uh, like, I had my high school position coach, um, which, which uh, to me was really, really special. And, uh, he was the offensive coordinator and the, the offensive staff were guys, um, just a little background on me. I, I, I played at a, a, a high school in New Jersey, uh, Manasquan, New Jersey, which is like, it's like in a time machine. It's like 1950s Americana. Like we still have a bonfire before our Thanksgiving game. We have a parade in, through town. Um, you know, the, the, the band goes uh, every home game. And we play, my head coach, he, he passed away in 2007. Um, but we, we have, he never wanted lights. So we don't have any lights at our, at our field. We still play Saturday afternoons at one o'clock. Um, so there's a, the parade goes through down main street and back up in the band and cheerleaders come and they, then they go to the stands and sit down. And so it's, it's like, it's like a Norman Rockwell painting, our, our, our town. Um, so the guys on our offensive staff had a connection, either they had coached me or had either played or coached for my head coach, Vic Caboo. Um, and he was at a couple different high schools, um, won 12 state championships as a head coach, six as a coordinator. So, I mean, the guy's got 18 state championships on his resume, you know, and obviously passing away in 2007, he was almost at 300 wins in 2007. You imagine if he would still be alive in, in 2020 where he'd be at today. So it, it was a really neat experience to, to bring guys that were, um, well, the reason I was there, I mean, guys that molded me into the, the, the person, the husband, father and coach I am today, but to afford them the opportunity to see what a first class organization USA football was and how well everything's run. And it's it, it was just an awesome, awesome experience all around. That's fantastic. Um, you know, here's what I want to get into is your coaching journey. So and I asked my receivers this on Wednesday nights, we have our Wednesday night Zoom meetings and I asked them about their why. And I think yep. your why is so powerful. And Coach Tori and I talk about knowing your why. And, and once you find that why, that you can go live it out. And uh, that's what I challenge our receivers to do. So go back in the time machine of why you got into coaching and what is so rewarding for it. And, and uh, just just where it started from. Obviously, you've had a rich tradition from the high school that you played at and the coach you played for. Um, but just go back in the time machine and 
and talk us through why you became a football coach. I mean, it really started for me like around like I was like third or fourth grade, and um, you know, like we we're just talking about, we we had a very uh, a very rich tradition of uh, you know for every year at, at our high school, you either want to your goal was obviously to win a state championship, but we had a streak of fourteen years of either a conference or a state title or both, and um, you, you never wanted to be that that group that stopped that streak. But early on, like I remember being in third and fourth grade and really wanted to play football. And my older cousins had played on those early nineties teams that had started the streak. So my mom did not want me to play. She had wanted no part of me playing. So finally my uncle who was my little league coach and my cousin, Kevin, um, he comes over to the house one day and he's like, he's like, he's like, Ruth, he's, I'm, you're signing the permission slip. I mean, it, he's going to going to sixth grade. He's playing. She's like, Oh, Tom, I don't know. And blah, blah, blah. And um, so finally my uncle convinced my mom to sign the permission slip. And then now see back then, you guys remember there was no FBU unlimited. I mean, it was, it was weight, you know, you had to make weight. So here, here I am like 20 pounds over going into the season in the summer, my cousin, Kevin and I are got the garbage bags on where we're eating the turkey sandwich sandwiches weigh-ins on Sunday mornings where my mom's waiting with a Hershey bar and a peanut butter sandwich, you know? Um, so I, and, and, and my pop Warner coaches, we, we had the same pop Warner president for 30 years in, in our town. And he was the, the film guy for the varsity and still is the film guy for the varsity. We call him Mr. Mask. One guy's name is Bruce Bresnahan. And, and every Sunday morning uh, when, when I got into coaching, he'd bring uh, breakfast sandwiches for the coaching staff every Sunday morning. Um, so like I said, it's a really, really special place. So I get into high school and I'm playing freshman football and, uh, all my coaches were history teachers, except for my head coach, who was the AD and I'm, I'm sitting in class. I think it was like, like November, I think we're getting ready for our Thanksgiving game. And I was like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my, my history teacher, which was coach Reed, who was my OC who I brought, you know, this year to, to Texas. And I'm like, I said, I, I this is what I want to do. I was like, I, I, I want to do this. I want to be, I want to be a teacher and I want to be a football coach. So like from, the, from my freshman year of high school, I really, that's all I wanted to do. And, and I, I set my goal to, you know, I was fortunate enough to play uh, uh, small FCS football in, uh, in, 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 in New Jersey. Um, and, but I mean, for me, it was wanting, wanting to be part of that, that tradition, wanting to give back to the community that's meant so much to me. And I think that was the main, the main reason why I got into it and seeing the guys around me, the coaches around me um, and how, how the relationship they had and, and the development um, that, you know, that they, they just, the message and, and, and the thing, I, it was, it was like a family thing. Like coach, you're just talking about zoom and Wednesday night with your receivers. Well, we do. Um, we started a, a Wednesday night meeting in 1995, my junior year in high school. And it was just the linebackers. It was my linebacker coach and four other guys. And then when I came back to coach in 2001, we started, it was linebackers, then it was the D-line. And then by the time I got the coordinator job at my high school, we had to move out of the high school and, now, and we went to the, the local firehouse and everybody brought food from home. And we just had like a buffet style table with a project and we watched, we watched film. And so that to me, builds that camaraderie it builds that that bond um i mean you know at, at some point you're going to have a, a a moment in the game where the kids are going to have to really trust each other 
And you, you've built that over the course of the season. So I'd taken that away from, you know, what I was taught, uh, you know, like I said, in, it, for, for me too, philosophically, we, we were, we never wanted to overcomplicate things. And that's something that when I do a lot of these, you know, zoom clinics with a lot of these high schools and that portion up to a couple of colleges and, you know, they're like, coach, you know, what, what do you do? And, you know, why, why are you this? Why that? Well, it's simple. It's we, we, we install what we need to install. We'll branch out a little bit, but at the end of the day, the kids are going to know what they need to do and they're going to play fast. And so it's not this elaborate like you and I were just talking about before, you know, it looks like we do a lot, but we really don't right. because it's, if the kids are thinking they're not going to play fast, you know, so that that's kind of how the, the, the beginnings of my coaching career kind of, kind of started, you know, seeing what, what guys in front of me were doing. You brought up a great point about in 1995, you were, you were already building relationships. And I think when we talk about culture or system or process, whatever word you want to use, um, that a lot of coaches, and I talked to our head coach today about this, like, Think about if you didn't have that relationship piece with your kids and then COVID-19 hits, we're in the pandemic, where coaches are. So talk mm-hmm. about, go back to 1995 and like, what was the importance that you saw, you know, about not just about scheme, but the, the power of relationships with, uh, with student athletes and then getting to play for you on Friday night. Like how big is that relationship piece going forward with high school and even college athletics? I th- you know, I think that, you know, being a junior in high school when, when we first started those meetings, I think it was good because you got to see your position coach in a different light. You got to see him as not just your coach. You got to see him joke around with you. And, you know, um, we, we, I, I still do this with, with our meetings. Um, coach Price would always start. We'd watch like the NFL's greatest hits for the first half hour while we kind of settled down and started eating. And then we just talk about, you know, watching Mike Singletary or Lawrence Taylor or, you know, the, the guys that were on the highlights. And then we get into the schematic stuff. But I think it's that underlying bond that you're building, even though you're not thinking about, you just think you're just hanging out and you're you're with your friends and your coach and you're eating pizza and, you know, but you're, you're building that relationship. Um, I think the, the, you know, obviously what's going on now, if you don't do something like that, or if you haven't done something like that, you're, you're, you're going to kind of be lost and you're, you know, you may reach out to a kid and they're not going to really respond to you because they don't, they don't know, they don't know you. You know, I, you know, I think more so today, especially in a lot of areas of the country, there's a lot of kids that don't have that male figure in their life that, that can really kind of lead them and help them develop as a, as a young man. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, you know, championships are great, you know, winning international championships are great, but like I, I always use an example, I got a, a former player of ours that, very very high academic kid he went and played at Princeton he um, advises me financially for my kids college so that that to me you know I could call Connor on the phone and he'd say hey you know hey coach what's up and you know what do you need today and it's 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 not I mean yeah did we win a division championship yes did we make it to the state finals with him yeah but I could pick the phone up and I could ask him financial advice right you, you know what I mean so I I, I think um, and from a coaching perspective you know, when we do get back and we do get back on the sideline, that, that trust is already there. Mm-hmm. So the kids know that, Hey, it's third down coach. You know, Hey, coach is calling this pressure. Hey man, we're, we're getting after it. You know, we're, 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 we trust what he's, what he's doing. It's not that, uh, you know, uh, we, you know, we're now we're going to, now we're, we're going to kind of play tentative. Yeah. They, they, they'll run through the wall, you know, and, and um, 
I think that's a huge part of having taken time out and, and, and doing a little extra for those kids. You know, it's so funny listening to talk to you uh, about building relationship because you're not just building relationships when you show them clips of LT or you show them about Mike Singletary. Uh, you're actually teaching the game along with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I go back to my own eight, nine, ten-year-old self, you know, with the NFL bed sheets, with the helmets and the different things and the posters on the wall. And those were the people that we grew up with, that we fell in love with. And I think about all the people right now that don't have sports. Uh, so we're tuning into like the last dance, right? And we're reliving yep. Michael Jordan. And for some people, they're just getting Michael Jordan for the first time. And th- there's connectivity to it. You know, even if you're not, even if you didn't grow up in the Jordan era like we all did, like there's, you still know who he is, right? Uh, and it's no different than teaching the game through these other people. I'll never forget, I was at the 49ers um, and we were in between practices. This is back in the days when we had multiple two-a-day practices course that's illegal now so we're talking over a decade uh it's kind of a shame because that was like a badge of honor that every football player from our generation went through and beyond Mm -hmm. but uh i'll never forget my roommate we're eating at the facility in between practices and my roommate uh was kind of a guy didn't really know the game of football very well and so in the back of my mind i'm like how can you be at the 49ers you don't even understand the game very well and we're eating and mike singletary was our uh linebackers coach at the time And he goes, he looked at me and he goes, is Mike Singletary, is he a well-known guy? Is he a big name? And food literally fell out of my mouth. Like, how could you not know Samurai Mike and the Monsters in the Midway? And uh, so as you're building relationships, you're also teaching the history of the game. And I think it's fitting that all of your coaches that you had growing up were history teachers. uh, And that tugs at my heartstrings because that's who I am also. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the reason why I got involved in education. I mean, I... I, uh, you know, I'm doing world history now and advanced placement business, but, uh, you know, I was U.S. history for years. And, um, you know, you're talking about the, the relationship building part, like, you know, being home with your family. Like I got my son's in there right now and he's playing tech mobile, you know, so he so he knows, you know, his favorite player now is his wallpaper on his Chromebook for school is Bo Jackson. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, that's the outlook. Any team, any person, any team, you're, you're picking the Raiders and Bo Jackson and you won't lose. You won't lose. Yep. 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 So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool though. It, like I said, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a special place to, um, okay. All right, bud. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a special place, you know, to, to, to grow up. And, um, you know, I tell everybody you don't really know about it until you go experience, experience it, you know, a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving or a home game where you're warming up. Um, you know, with your team and the, the drums are beating coming down Main Street. And it's like, it's, it's just a, it's just an unbelievable place to grow up. Yeah. I mean, Coach Weaver, can you even imagine not having lights? Like I remember in 1988 when, the, when Wrigley Field got lights. That was one of the days I didn't have to go to bed. My dad and I stayed up and watched that game. And it's like, I can't even imagine how archaic that was in 1988. And your high school still doesn't have lights. I know. Watching on WG, WGN, I believe it was. And, and Absolutely. yeah, that's what I yeah. thought about when you said they still don't have lights. I was like, wait, Wrigley has lights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, you know, the thing is, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very landlocked area. Um, cause Masquan, we're, we're about 10 minutes uh, from the, from the beach, right? Like l- literally right in the middle of New Jersey. And, um, it's a, it's an old, I mean, school's old. It was built in, um, you know, 18, the 1870s and there's been additions and stuff, obviously updates and things like that, but there's just nowhere to expand. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, th- there's a lot of houses that border the football field. So, like, when you go to a home game, there'll be people that'll have the, they, they built like decks so they can sit out and watch, almost like a press box, so they can sit out and watch the game. And you know, a lot of those people don't want lights because they, you know, they don't want the lights, you know, shining in their house at night. But my head coach never wanted lights. Love, love the Saturday afternoon, and I'm glad, I'm glad we never got them. I'm, I'm glad they still don't have them. Wow. Wow. All right, I want to transition into the skull and crossbones. I want to talk about your defense. I want to talk about your coaching style. Um, and then we'll get into your book. Um, what What is it with this? Because I see it on your shirt right now. You have that. Yeah. Uh, you're, y'all's school, you're the Bears, yeah. right? But the, y'all do a, like a hashtag. It's like bear down and then has the skull and crossbones. Can you go into that a little bit with our listeners about what the skull yeah, and crossbones no, means? Yeah, no, so... Um, so like you, we were just talking about, I, you know, I, I come from very simple roots. I was a four, three guy uh, trained in the four, four, three defense are uh, my head coach had a real good relationship with uh, George, George Welsh and Al Golden. And when they were at Virginia, so that's kind of where I cut my teeth um, in the defense. And we were very simplistic, you know, uh, progression read two, cover country, cover three, a little bit of quarters. And, you know, I mean like as, as vanilla as you can get, because we just, you know, that, that's just what we did. Um, as I, as I evolved as a, I mean, I got my first coordinator. I was young. I was 26 when I became a coordinator. Um, so I, I, I would always, uh, my, my feeling is there's always somebody out there doing it better than me. So I need to go seek that person or that, that staff out, um, and figure out how they're doing things. So I became really good friends with Don Brown, uh, his DC at Michigan and coach Brown did the, one of the forwards from my book. And he, he was at North, Northeastern and then Boston College, and he would always recruit our high school. And him and I got to talking, and it, I, I really liked the stuff that he did. And um, it kind of evolved from that. Also, too, from Coach Tory, we were just talking about Nebraska before. Um, our, our defense in practice at Palmetto, we wear black jerseys. So um, it it kind of morphed into that mentality of um, we're going to play physical. We're going to run to the football. Like, you know, I, I take this from coach Brown. We, we don't have any traders on defense. I, when we have our first meeting, um, which we're, we're going to zoom on Monday, cause that was supposed to be the first day of spring practice for us. Um, I, I tell the kids cause you know, spring football, I call it a fantasy camp because you get kids that come out, you know, that for the first time that maybe they think they're a DB, but they're really a guard. You know, it, it, it's, it's, so I, I'll tell the 40 kids in the room, I'll say, listen, if you do not run to the football and, and if I'm telling you right now, if you had any of my defensive kids on with me, they'll tell you, if you do not run to the football and I see it, or one of my coaches see it, I will go to the equipment room and I will take your black Jersey and I will give you a white Jersey and you'll go play offense. It in, instantaneous, instantaneously, instantaneously, because our mentality is we are going to be flying around aggressive 11 hats to the football doing their job. And it's, it's just a, it gives the defense an identity and a mentality for us. Like, you know, when we break a huddle, everything is, is smash, you know? So it's, it's the mentality of, of just being physical and, and arriving from point A to point B in a very, very bad mood. So that, that, that kind of gives the kids kind of like an ownership and a mentality to, you know, what, what we're trying to do on the defensive side of the football. But it's, for me, it's, it gives them just 
ownership. And I think a lot of that with kids today, they, they need to feel ownership of, of, they don't want to be robotic in, in what they do. Like they, they know, Hey man, like we're, you know, we're playing a spread team this week. Pfft, coach is going to have something nasty for him, you know? And, and that, that it, it gets them excited, you know, cause we do blitz linebackers. We do blitz secondary guys. We do have linemen dropping covered. So they're excited for the week to know, Hey, the defensive ends like, Hey coach, am I, am I going to be a flat dropper this week? Or the safety's like, coach, you, are we bringing that sniper blitz this week? where we're both going off the edge, you know, the boundary corner on thunder. Are we going? So they, their eyes light up because they know that every week we add something to the package that may involve them in a way that they, they, they want to see on film. I love the exclusive membership that if you don't fly out of the football, you're gone. Boom. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, I think last spring, I think I, I know, I know one practice I did four, four in a practice. Wow. And yep. that's, and we go back and, and we talked about trust in the yep. very beginning. We talked about trust. Yep. And instantaneously, they know that you're not fibbing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it is a truck. If I don't run to the football, this will happen. Yep. And yep. That's yeah, amazing. Well, and the thing is, too, like, in the, fir- in the first meeting, it, it's, it's not like I go on the field and then they don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I repeat myself multiple times. And before we walk out of the classroom, I say, can everybody shake their head and understand what I just said to you? And they'll all go like this. And I said, so – when I take somebody's jersey today, there's not going to be a meeting or, or this, that. I said, this is what everybody understands. And I make sure that my head coach is standing there, the assistant coaches are there, just so there's no he said, she said stuff where we have to have a parent meeting now because I, I, so, I took a kid's jersey. Now, I might, as a, as a receiver coach, that freak safety that's like 6'3", 205, I might look at him and be like, hey, I want you to walk on this plate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, we. I'm we, kidding. You know, I'm kidding. No, I, I, we no. So we so we like a lot. You know, we're we're a two we're a two platoon team, but our our two our power five dudes are are two way players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I was just joshing with you a little bit. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tr- trust me. My uh, my my DB coach is trying to get. We have a freshman running back that's going to be really really good, and he wants him to play linebacker, and the head coach wants no no part of it. So we always we always try to like take Jaden with us during like a, a defensive days. We always kind of try to pull to see when my head coach is going to notice if he's missing in the running back drills or not. So, coach, tell us a little bit about how you hand the jerseys out because the legend at Nebraska started in 1962. Uh, coach Bob Devaney he just went to the local sporting goods store, bought a bunch of black jerseys to to differentiate themselves, and then. Even today, to this day, the black jerseys are earned, right? The black shirts are earned. Um, so there's some years where they're given right away to the whole unit uh, during camp. There's other years where only maybe one or two guys earn them. There's other years where they don't even go out till November. Uh, tell us, what's your jersey ceremony like? Have you thought that through, or is there um, how do kids get their jerseys? Uh, I've done it. A, I've done it a couple different ways. When, when I was at when I was coaching in New Jersey. Um, the coaching staff, because we had navy blue jerseys for practice, so the coaching staff we would pick. I went out and I bought um, three different um, black jerseys. So it was that Monday practice that we would present the the D lineman or the linebacker or the defensive back in front of, in front of the whole team. Um, that that's how we did it. Since I've been down here now, I was at um, actually two. I've been at this is my second high school in Florida. Um, so basically what I've done now is I, I use the spring 
as kind of like the eval period. And if, if you make the, the defensive cut going into August right now, that that's just kind of how this, that's just kind of how we do it that we, you know, that you've, if you go from the spring to the, to the fall, you've earned it, but it can be taken away at any time. So those spring rules that we just talked about, that still applies in the fall. Yeah. Um, as you're talking, uh, I'm wondering if instead of standing up in front of a big team meeting and giving a presentation and repeating yourself, blah, blah, blah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it triggered something in my brain. I want to plant the seed with you. Uh, Phil Jackson in his book, 11 rings talks about how he lines his team up on the baseline at the beginning of the year, right, right away in camp. And then he would say, uh, cross the line. If you are committing to be coached this year, if you're committed to be pushed and, uh, and want to achieve more as a group. And I, as you're talking, I'm envisioning how powerful would it be if you took all the guys that earned their black jersey in the spring and then right away in camp, maybe after you broke that team meeting or whatever, or even before the team meeting, if you lined them up on the goal line and said, you know, this is like your black jersey ceremony where it's like, we're going to give you this jersey now because you've earned it. It's on your own merit. Cross the line if you accept the responsibilities that come with it. And I just wonder if that would maybe take this legacy to a different level. I, I, I love it, man. I, I st- consider it stolen. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Phil Jackson. It is not John Tory. Well, you know, but, but I'm not talking to Phil Jackson. I'm talking to John Tory. Um, but no, I, I think that's great. I mean, I, I think that'd be a, 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 an unbelievable idea, man. I, Cause I, I think it, I, I think it, it, it gives it more tangibility than it already has. You know, and then doing it, and, and the nice thing is we're, we're getting, well, hopefully we get to play in, you know, in August, but we're getting, we just found out we're getting our field redone. We're getting that cool, cool wow. technology put in. Um, so that would be something that the first practice on that new field, that I, it's, I'll record it and send it to you. And you could do it a couple of ways. Like as you're talking, maybe it's like, maybe you have them in a circle around the, the logo in the middle of the field yep. and you have them step into the logo. Um, or maybe you have them on the one yard line and they step into the end zone and then something else. And maybe this is down the line after you do it. I'd love to see a video of it, by the way, yeah. but uh, something else is what if you included the parent down the road too, you know, so the parents are the one actually giving them their Jersey. Uh, I think you've got a, a, an incredible culture there to make those powerful moments that are going to be memorable for decades to come. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, Coach, like I said, I, I will record it and send it to you when we when we get it, when we're able to like venture out of the the uh, the house here. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. That's uh, I I had to go run. I had somebody asking me about where do they want me to put the pads. They're starting to move them for me, so I had to exit real quick. Um, but yeah, I, I like the black shirts. I kind of think about um, I'm doing a little, little different thing with our receivers this year. On and Coach Story challenged me with this. I've at graduation, I got little micro um, F-16s and put their name on the bottom of it. And then I've got a, I'm going to get a board and have the guys that have their call signed in their name and uh, the year they played for us as a receiver unit uh, and what their call sign was. So that's, you know, Coach Troy's got all these ideas, I'm telling you. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, it's simple. Once you've done the, once you've thought about your why and you've got this purposeful framework put in, like the skull and crossbones is not necessarily tied to your school mascot. That's something that's important to you. So you intentionally build it. 
And once you teach it and you get this thing going, all these other little things funnel back into that same pot. No, no doubt. No, yeah. no doubt. And like I said, it, it give it gives today because you know today's athlete is a lot different than when we played. Um, it, it gives them either some type of identity. It gives them some type of um, responsibility. You know, however you want to, however, however they want to interpret it. But if every kid's going to be different. You know, um, you know, like I was talking about before, like you know, our our high school class. You know, you never, you know, from 1990 to 2004 when in either a division, a state or both, you didn't want to, be, and that, you know, and that's what pushes you in the weight room. That's what gets you to run extra sprints on the beach or, you know, do a captain's practice when you're not, or, or whatever. But that drove, that drove us. We didn't want to be that senior class that stopped that streak, you know? So, so to give, give the kids something that they can, they can hold on to and grasp. Um, and, it, and it's, an, it's, it's, it's an exclusive club, you know, kids want to play, they want the black shirt. They want to play defense. They want to, they want to get after offenses, man. I, it's just, just the mentality that we built. That's what we talk about, uh, Coach Weaver, with your air raid brigade, with my stone cutters. Uh, I give out sledgehammers. Other guys in the locker room want sledgehammers. They can't even believe that I do that. But it is, it does have to be exclusive. If you want your membership to mean something, you're going to have to exclude the people on the outside. Yeah. So I really appreciate what you shared there with your culture. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really uh, like I said, it's it's taken a, a few years to get you know where we wanted to be. Um, fighting through some adversity over the last year. Uh, I think I talked to Coach Weaver about. We had a, our starting middle linebacker pass away um, in July. Um, Colby was going to be a Division One linebacker. He's a two-time state champion wrestler. Brothers, the heavyweight wrestler at Ohio State, and uh, he very obviously very um, entrenched in the community. Parents grew up here. Dad was an all-state wrestler at, at a high school down the road, and um, we actually honored him with. Um, I, I came up with this uh, the turnover chain, um, which is a skull and crossbones with his initials on it. So that was something that kind of drove the, the the turnover aspect of the defense. Was you wanted to put Colby's chain on? You know, and, and that was another part of the whole Blackshirt mentality because he was the Blackshirt defense. I mean, he was – didn't say much, but, man, that kid hits you, boy. Woo! 6'2", 215, 4'4", four, four plus, 40, coming at you, and mean. Like, and would, would smile at you when he when he knocked when he knocked it five yards in the backfield, you know. Um, so that that was, you know, something we fought through last year. And, um, you know, but the, like I said, the, kid, the kids really have – bought into the mentality that, that we're bringing. Um, and I think if you ask a lot of coaches in our area, they know when they're playing Palmetto Ridge that they're in for a long night defensively. Yeah, and you brought up a great point. You said how it took it took a while. And yeah. it's not a quick fix. And it's not a – there's no secret vaccine, antidote, or anything to get your culture going. It's more of what am I doing every day? And, and it's so cliche. You, you know, coaches say it all the time, 1% better. How are you getting 1% better? But – what one percent are you putting into that kid that day? You know, in a group meeting, are you are you calling him? Since we're in COVID nineteen right now, are you calling him? Just hey, check up on him. Uh, we had one last night that didn't post his workout, and he's one of our vocal guys, and just called him at nine thirty, and uh, he's like, "Coach, I've been really busy. I've been swamped with work. I just I can't. Uh, I'm doing schoolwork and stuff." Well, then he calls me at eleven eleven last night. He's like, I'm trying to do the workout. It won't let me post my workout. Can you please let the guys know that I did my workout? So, I, and it, 
answering that phone call before I started our culture and started, you know, our, our exclusive membership, I probably wouldn't answer that phone. But 11-11, I see it at Superfly. I'm going to answer yep. Yep. and see what he needs. So, no doubt. Um, anyway. That's great. Uh, I love how simple you keep it, too. So, you know, it's about playing fast and, you know, no paralysis by analysis. And um, I don't know if you've read Above the Line by Urban Meyer, but one of the things that changed our football program is we started drills with a starting point and a stopping point, the four to six A to B. And I just love the mentality that you bring. You take it a step farther by saying four to six A to B with a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, who wouldn't want to play for that? That make, gets me all jacked up, ready to run through a brick wall. So um, I think it's great. Like, if it's like, oh, you're having a bad day? Well, great. Let's take it out on the offense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and again, you know, um, we'll, uh, you know, I'll draw a little bit back and forth with our quarterback, you know, and, and kind of trying to kind of get under his skin a little bit and, and, you know, we'll be walking out to the practice field, and I'm like, hey, man, we got two blitzes this week coming out. We're, we're going to get Tuesday. You better you better get your rest tonight because we're, we're going to get after you on, uh, you know, uh, and, or we'll get down to the red zone. I'm like, oh, you guys know the bear, the bear, the maca blitz is coming. You know, you, you know it's coming. See if you can stop it. You know what I mean? Um, so, no, it, it, it's good because it's, it, it's infectious throughout the, the program. And my head coach is great, man. Uh, Chris, Chris Tokenen's my head coach. He was uh, – Offensive coordinator uh, at Cocoa Beach for like ten years. Got like six six state rings. Got a bunch of guys that got, got drafted the last couple of years. And uh, Chris just he lets me he lets me run the defense, lets me run the recruiting, and and you know he he's a, a phenomenal guy to work for. I, I couldn't ask for a better head coach to be honest with you. Um, just the, the 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 responsibility that he's given me, um, you know, coming in here and um, but yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but um, I think if you get, if the kids see that you're, that you're invested, hmm. it, you know, with the, the Wednesday night meetings, with the, you know, the huddle playbook stuff with the, like, we're going to zoom, we're talking about the last dance. I got 15 kids I'm zooming with Sunday night because 14 of them are LeBron fans and one of them is a Jordan guy. So I told him, I said, we're zooming Sunday night. You're going to see the greatest competitor in the history of basketball. I said, and you know, and I'll, you know, we could do a whole other podcast on LeBron versus Jordan. I mean, I, you know, we could sit here for hours and talk about that, but, um, but stuff like that, like I, I don't have to, I don't have to give up two hours on my Sunday. I could wa- I watch it by myself, but I know a lot of those kids are struggling. You know, they 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 don't they need to get out of the house. They need to you know kind of you know do something other than the norm, other than Groundhog Day. They have to do something different. Um, so if I can take two hours out of my time, and you know, my kids are asleep anyway, so. I'll sit with the computer in front of the TV and, you know, watch and, and, and advocate for Michael Jordan for two hours. Well, you're talking to a wrestling guy here. So I just know of those people. Like I'm not equipped to debate their greatness. Uh, although each are incredible performers throughout the, the history of, of the NBA. Um, let's talk a little bit about your book though. What, what's coming out? Like, what do you write about your book? Uh, what made you create a book? Uh, I, I just, I love books. I love to read all the time. So I'm always looking for different nuggets that I can take away from other people. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you got going on there. So uh, I started, you know, we are, we've never been back to school from spring break. Like we went on spring break and we, we haven't been back to school. Um, so I was, I was sitting on my computer one day and um, I said to my wife, I was like, I, I think I'm going to, you know, because, uh, you know, coach, we were, and I were talking about coach Liotta up in, uh, up in PA 
and he's a USA football buddy of mine, and he, he had wrote, wrote a book about his no-huddle offense. And I said to myself, you know, I said, I could, I could sit down and, and, and type something. I don't know if it's going to be a book, but I, I know I could put some, some words on paper about um, my def- kind of like my defensive journey, you know, um, going from a 4-3 to a 4-2-5 to the three-down, the three three-safety Iowa State stuff we ran with the Japanese team in January to defending the triple option and then getting into recruiting and relationship building, building a staff and leadership qualities and things like that. It's everything that I've learned from my, you know, my coaches growing up. So I sat down and I hammered out like 25 pages and I'm like, all right. I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, you know, and um, I'm fortunate where I have a, our AP English teacher at my high school, Dan Peltier is a former football coach. So I reached out to him and say, man, listen, I'm going to write a book can you proofread and format this thing for me? And he was like, absolutely. Um, just, you know, pizza and, and drinks, you know, when we get out, I said, done, you know, done. So to me, it was, my target audience was the, the uh, youth coaches and then also high school coaches that are starting out, but also high school coaches that are looking for, it's like when we go to clinics, right? Like when we go to clinics, we want, we want, we want to take home one thing, you know? So my, my idea behind the book was, if someone can read, and it's 60 pages, it's easy. Um, if somebody can read this and take one schematic thing out of it or take practice planning out of it or the recruiting stuff that they may not have known or an older youth coach that, you know, they have a really good seventh or eighth grader and they want to tell the kid like, hey, it's okay that if you go to Division two, you don't have to be a Division one football player. You're getting your education paid for. It doesn't matter if you go to uh, Grand Valley State. You're, you, the goal is zero. Like my point in that chapter is the goal is to have zero financial obligations, you know? So it, it was, it was more about giving back to the game that's meant so much. And I, I wouldn't be here without football. And also um, kind of letting the football world know about how special a place Manasquan, New Jersey is the place where I grew up and kind of giving that, that insight to that Norman Rockwell painting we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast um, so that was really my motivation behind it. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was to kind of help coaches that, that may have a question. I mean, I've, I've had a bunch of coaches reach out. I've done a couple of zooms on the book about different chapters and things. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I was going to break the news tonight on my other interview, but you guys, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm starting this weekend on, on volume number two. Um, so we're going to have a volume two of the right defense, uh, hopefully in a month, month or so. Um, get get down to it more more schematic stuff like our, our nickel stuff how we defend empty blitzes out of the four three um tackling and turnover circuits that we do uh in and more leadership and and relationship building as well so i'm going to start writing that this weekend actually i think the book was a no-brainer from what you talked about in the beginning when you were educating the japanese coaches that came over and how that's that's just in you to be a teacher um yep. in the book was just another platform for you uh, about how in the beginning of the, the podcast you were talking about uh, instilling like what we do inside of uh, USA football, what we do like drill wise and, and feeding feeding those coaches knowledge that you have. And then now you just have a book. So now that they don't have to have you full time, they can yep. they can go and read the book. And that that's awesome. Uh, I want to give the title of the book, The Right Defense for Your Program, covering fronts, pressures, practice plans, uh, tendency charting, recruiting, team staff organization, and building relationships. Uh, number one new release on Amazon as well. Uh, so, look, go and 
Go and pick up this book on Amazon. You have nothing else to do, and you can read 60 pages. Go read 60 pages uh, and get better with, with Coach Gibbs uh, on Amazon. It's called The Right Defense for Your Program. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's been it's been it's been crazy the amount of internet and I think a lot of it has to do with um obviously a social media platform with 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 Twitter being as big as it is the the success that we had with the international team so I'm actually doing a Zoom clinic for uh, coaches in Germany France and England on Monday Monday afternoon a coach from Germany bought bought the book uh, reached out to me and it was like coach do you want to I said yeah I said I'll do you know and it's it, you know Japan like they they have blown it up over there uh, and and Italy uh, Costa Rica I'm doing an interview tonight with um, a guy that runs multiple youth leagues in in Brazil and Costa Rica that he he wants uh, I did a, a clinic for 109 coaches in Mexico on Monday night so it, it's it's been it's been it's been unbelievable man I I can't I I did not expect the international um you know uh, following that 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 it's been getting and. It's it's just it's a blessing. I, I can't you know uh, I can't exp- describe it. It's just something that sat down and did, and it's it's taken off, and it's it's been awesome. Well, Coach Gibbs, it's I mean it's great like uh, to sit down and not really know why you're doing things, but immerse yourself into it and to learn a new skill and to have other people around you that can help promote that skill and build it in you. I mean that's what we want from our athletes, right? Try new things, seek out other people that know more than you do, and build things together. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think I think at times too, like coaches, there's a lot of guys that when you know, Coach Weaver, you, you've been doing this a long time, you know, and Coach Tory, I'm sure you know with wrestling, I'm sure that's the same thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there that want to show you how much they know. I mean, and that's great that they know certain stuff and they know this guy's terminology and you know whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's the, and that's why I kind of, with the book, I kind of did the four chapters of defense. It's like, take, take something out of one of those chapters and fit it to your personnel. But you know what I mean? Like that's to me that, 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 that's to be a successful coach. You have to be able to adapt to what your personnel dictates. Like coach Weaver, I'm sure there's, there's certain routes that you don't run because you don't have guys that can do it. And other years you have guys that can do it. So you, you do it. That's right. Right. You know, so like for us this year, like we we're losing three all conference D linemen, and so now we're going to base out of an odd front and a two down front, because we we just don't have like and for me I'm a four three guy, we can't be a four three team, so I'm not going to force kids to be, be play four three when I know they can't do it. You know, yeah. the, the ultimate goal is to put your kids in the best position to be successful. Yeah, that goes right? back to that goes back to Rick Jones, how everybody's walk ons in high school, they're all walk ons. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. It's in like, you know, we just talked, we just joked about spring football. I, I always call it fantasy camp, you know, because we, you know, I'm a linebacker coach. Okay. You'd be a linebacker. Sure. All right. Come August when you're dead, when you're, when your hands in the dirt and you're a guard, I, I appreciate you taking time to try to play a linebacker. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. You, you don't, you can't get a fish to climb a tree. You know, there's that adage in the book that's out there. So it's so true. And uh, I think that's what makes high school a little bit different than the other levels. In college, I can recruit kids that fit the scheme that I want to run. In the NFL, I draft guys that, you know, fit the scheme or, or fit what I want to do with my vision for the program. But in high school, we truly have to have five to ten offenses or defenses that we can go to any year. And sometimes you have to splice two of them together. Mm-hmm. So I love the one takeaway from the book. If you can help one person or reach one person or clarify one idea, who knows what impact that could have on our game. 
Yeah, I mean, like the the you know the chapter on the the Iowa State stuff. You know, I, the thing with the international bowl, um, Coach Weaver, you, and you'll be there in January, brother. So you'll 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 know what this is about, man. Um, you have seven practices, and you, you know you you cannot install like you know there was so many different nuances with that defense, but you know. We did the playbook the week before. We actually sent the offensive and defensive playbook to those guys two weeks before they flew to, to the States because they wanted to study it. But I said to my guys, I was like, hey, man, we got to come up with like three pressures, um, two different fronts, and then we got to roll. Like we don't have time for two down, three down, four down, this down, that down. Like it, it ain't going to happen. And then we're going to be looking at ourselves at the sideline going, how do we just give up 40 points? You know, and then and that and that's on us as a co- on a, us as coaches. You know, what are, what are our expectations? Um, but that time crunch really helps simplify your approach. Um, you know, with with that stuff, and it was good, man. We caught those cats off guard, man, and we we uh, <laughs> those kids played wow. their butts. Coach Weaver, it's not fair. It's not a fair fight. The defense is always ahead of the offense. That's how it always works. <laughs> I remember when we were in fall camp when I played college ball that. The old, all the coach were like, it just takes time for this offense to get going. Those defensive guys, they can they can just fly around to the football and do this and do that. I'm like, you got us, you know, handcuffed. You know, we're, oh, yeah. give us yeah. give us three weeks. You take two days. Mm-hmm. We'll just take away your black jersey and find someone else. <laughs> and, uh, you know. <laughs> ah, that's great. Well, uh, coach, really appreciate your time in the classroom today, Coach PJ Gibbs. Uh, you know, the coach for USA football and um, and in Florida with his high school. One thing that we always ask our, our guests is, what is your caring trademark? What is something that differentiates you from everybody else? And I love the Norman Rockwell analogy to your hometown because that is totally unique. That, that piece of Americana is totally gone by the wayside. So it's really refreshing to hear that it still exists where you grew up. What's one thing that makes you different uh, as a leader that you call your caring trademark? Uh, I, I would say probably for me, I would say my, my, my uh, relatability to, to the kids. Uh, I would say like that, that they know that I care. I'm not putting up a front that they know. I think like Coach Weaver just used a great example about his player calling him at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I, it would be the same thing for me. Um, you know, picking up the phone or, you know, um, kids that don't have, like, they, they the kids know that, uh, you know, and this is one thing I, t- I took from um, Coach, Coach Brown at Michigan, is that I'm always striving to be um, a genuine person. You know, always the kids know that I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. The kids know that it's, it's legit um, because I'm upfront and honest with them all the time. I, I'm never going to tell a kid something they, that they want to hear. I think that happens too much in our society today. Kids don't know how to handle adversity. So I think the more honest you can be with kids and parents, I think the better off. I mean, and again, honesty hurts sometimes. You know, it, it, the truth hurts sometimes. You know, kids don't want to hear that they're not going to be a Division One football player. But at the end of the day, there's 1% of the high school playing population that's going to have that opportunity to go. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay that they don't go to a Division One school. But if, they, if, they, if they're going to go get their education paid for, that's fine. But I think for me, it's honesty first and foremost i think that's something that if you ask any player any parent that's ever been around me I'm, they'll say they'll say coach gibbs was 100 percent upfront and honest with us and i think at the end of the day that's that's the, what you want to do because you're going to have the best interest for that kid they may not understand it as a senior in high school they're going to understand it 
when they're 30 years old and their father, you know, and they're paying a mortgage and, and a car payment, that that's why, you know, we were so hard on them and honest with them. Um, and I, I think like one of the, one of the underlying things that I, I remember and the kind of, I, every now and then I kind of remember it while you know, coach Harbaugh talks about, you know, coach Schembechler and about what kind of team they're going to have this year. And, you know, the team that the, the team, we're not going to know what kind of team we have until about 20 years down the road. And I, I think, you know, again, championships are great, but we're, we're building the next generation of, of leaders for our country. And I think when guys put that in perspective, I think the championship stuff will go by the wayside. But, you know, we're all competitors at the end of the day. But I would say honesty for me, first and foremost. Great answer. Uh, I think a lot of times that, that honesty gets put aside. So I'm glad to hear that it's honesty and the re- relatability because more than ever, our high school kids need to hear that. They need to hear the honest stuff because maybe they're not getting it from their parents, but they need to hear it from somebody. They, they need a truth teller in their life. And if a coach can be a truth teller, um, that's a big deal. Well, coach, I, yeah, think, like, I, 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 think, like, I think like you said too, um, you know, from the perspective of the, the the player, they're you know they're they're not always going to get that at home, and it's and for us in the, in the recruiting game, you know we have to be honest with those college coaches. I think especially now more so than ever, they're going to rely on us, our relationships with them because they can't get out and see the kids. They can't come do a spring eval, right? So you know I've talked to a couple colleges for our kids now, like. I, and I tell the kids when I have a recruiting meeting with them and the parents, I tell them I've, I've worked hard to build relationships for the last 20 something years. I am not lying to a coach about your kid to get them off. Point, point blank. I'm not ruining, and we're not going to ruin it for the kids that are coming up behind your son. Yeah. That's just not, that's just not the way we're going to do things here. So some of them get it. Some of them give you the, that, you know, but that's, that's the reality of, of, of what we got to go through. Well, guys, I'm fixing to have to run. I got to go to class. Coach Gibbs, thank you so much for your time uh, in the culture classroom today. Uh, it's been Coach PJ Gibbs with Palmetto Ridge and USA Football. Coach, thanks for your time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.